Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. This episode is sponsored by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition, the brand for cowboys and cowgirls. Get and stay cowboy fit this new year with the Cowboy Whey Protein. If you want to lose weight and gain lean muscle, the Cowboy Whey can help. The Cowboy Whey is available in delicious chocolate and creamy vanilla with 24 grams of protein, 160 calories, and only 2 grams of sugar. Get yours at www.thecowboywhey.com. And that's whey, spelled W-H-E-Y, hence the protein. And be sure and register on the website to get 10% off your order. Get and stay Cowboy Fit this new year at www.thecowboywhey.com. And also, follow us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Performance. And I'll see you back at the ranch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, just got back from the NFR. It was absolutely amazing. I've got a real special guest on today that I'm, I'm just thrilled, thrilled to be able to, to talk to him. And it's, it's interesting. You know, I've known about John Grounding for, for years and years, never met him. And actually, a friend of ours, uh, my, my wife's known Kathy for years. Her and John have been really good friends for years. So, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about, uh, about John and her and, and, uh, when I met John at the NFR, he, he had told us that, uh, you know, he heard, heard about, you know, Stephanie and so on and so forth. And um, so when I saw him there, we were at the uh, Rodeo, Rodeo Fame uh, Legacy of the West Gala. And I saw him and I go, I told Stephanie, I go, there's John Grounding, you know, he's a legend. So we go walking up to him and I introduce myself and uh, I'm standing there with this, with this legend in Rodeo. And we're talking, and then uh, all of a sudden, here walks up Gary LeFew, and just like nonchalantly to John, because they're good friends, and I'm going, oh my gosh, now I'm standing between uh, John Grounding and Gary LeFew, and so I, I got a picture of that, but actually what happened even after that was then Tuff Hedeman walked up, and, and they're just talking like, you know, hey, you know, they just know each other real well, and whatever, and I'm kind of in this, in this little bubble in there, uh, starstruck, so uh, anyway, John was good enough to agree to come on and in and talk to us and I'm, I'm just excited to have him on so john hey welcome to the modern cowboy podcast thanks dan yeah glad um, to be here. yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you you know agreed to come on and and just really excited to talk to you um you know just if, if you could just give us a little history on how, how you got started in rodeo and and how you became you know the a prca stock contractor um, and just kind of what that all looked like well, it's a long story. Actually, I could write a book on it. But uh, uh, to start with, I was raised in the automobile business, but I was raised in a cow town of Red Bluff, California. And all my dad's friends were ranchers, especially this one family, the Owens family. And so I learned to be a cowboy through the Owenses. And they were big you know, cattle ranchers here in our country. So that was my experience of becoming a cowboy. And then I I didn't realize I wasn't a real cowboy, but I thought I was. And that's what I think life starts off that way. You just want to be something that maybe you're really not. But uh, another thing that led me to where I am 
is when I was a freshman in high school, I weighed 85 pounds. And so I played football and basketball, but I was a little tiny guy. And so I was second string everything. And uh, I met uh, a kid my freshman year. His name was Robin Glines. And his older brother rode bulls. And since I was a cowboy, or thought I was a cowboy, <laughs> I started running around with him. And, you know, his brother could ride bulls really good. And there was a lot of older people, you know, I say older, they were probably five or six years older than I was, around Red Bluff. It was cool to be a cowboy back in those days. And um, this Tony Durr, um, he sort of helped me learn to ride bucking barrels. You know, back in those days, you put bucking barrels up in between trees mm. and you pulled the cables and the barrel bucked all over the place. <laughs> and I, I was gutsy enough, and, and so it fit me. So I went to my first junior rodeo when I was a freshman in high school, and here's all these high school kids that, you know, I was going to school with were entered in the, in the it was actually cow riding. And uh, I actually won the cow riding there. So there were probably a hundred cow riders there and I won it. So it just, it, it, it level, you know, it brought my level up of who I was just because I won the cow riding at this Susanville High School Rodeo. So that was the start of my career. I became a rodeo cowboy then and started going to junior rodeos with my friends. And, uh, and then I stayed in the amateurs for a long time. And when I got out of the Army, I uh, got my PRCA card, and I started riding in the PRCA. So, and then I did my senior project at Cal Poly on becoming a rodeo stock contractor. And see, now I'm, I'm probably boring you guys to death, but <laughs> Cotton, Cotton Rosser sent me a load of horses, and uh, Don Flanagan and uh, Cotton arranged for Gary LaFue to send me some bulls. And Don Flanagan bought some bulls down in New Mexico. And um, we started putting on high school and amateur rodeos. And a year and a half later, uh, this outfit, RSC Rodeo, uh, Rodeo Stock Contractors, it was Jack Rowdy, Jack Sparrick, and Bob Cook were selling their rodeo company. And Bank of America was giving me all the money I wanted. <laughs> so I became a PRCA stock contractor. And... 1979. No kidding. And, and, and just some of those names you mentioned there are legends in their own right as well. That's, that's crazy. Crazy. So now, and yeah, so, but, go yeah. ahead. Well, I'm just telling you, you know, somebody, you know, I, I tell everybody this, I really believe in God and I think he just intervened in my life all the time. And, uh, he made all this stuff happen. And, and then, you know, Donnie Kish, uh, who was like a brother, he was there and he was 16 and I think I was 26 or 27 when we got in the rodeo business. So uh, I, I had a good partner in, in Don Kish. He, he was, he became, he didn't know anything about rodeo or anything about livestock, but he <laughs> learned really fast. And uh, so every, everything was in place for me to be where I am and actually to be where I am today. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, now you were raised, like you said, in uh, the, your family was in the automobile industry. Um, you, you, we talked a little bit about that when we were at the NFR. Uh, share that with the listeners, um, your experience in terms of uh, doing car sales. Okay. Well, I don't know if I shared this with you, but um, I never did like selling cars I, I you know uh, I was a cowboy and I was riding bulls and going to rodeos 
But my younger brother, Mike, uh, who's five years younger than I am, he he knew the automobile business. He knew how to build engines. He used he, he was quite the mechanic. And then he, he had the sort of the same personality. All our I have four sisters and a brother and myself. And we all have this outward personality that, you know, no, there's no strangers in our life. So anyway, when I got out of the Army and I was goofing off in Red Bluff, and, you know, when, when you first get out of the Army, you know, that's my son. You know, he just got out of the military. Uh, he's sowing his oats. He's goofing off. But, you know, he just got out of the Army. Right. Well, about two and a half months into being out of the Army, my dad got tired of me partying all the time. And I don't, you know, now I look back, I don't blame him. So the newness of me getting out of the army was wearing off. Right. And pretty soon he said, you get your ass down here and you're going to work. <laughs> and are you going back to school? One of the two. So uh, I tried working for him that summer and my dad and I were really close, but yet we fought more than anybody else in our family. So, uh, so in the one month of July, he fired me four times. So I knew I was done selling cars for my dad and I was glad of it. I think he knew that I'd never be happy in the car business. And so I went back to school. I went to Cal Poly. Uh, I did my senior project on becoming a rodeo stock contractor. I never graduated because as soon as I did my project, I went right back to Red Bluff, went into Bank of America they loaned me the money and I was in the rodeo business. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, you know, you've, you've done so many things uh, in rodeo and been involved with so many, so many people. Uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, we're going to talk about Lane Frost and, 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 and all that. Um, but, you know, looking, looking back over, you know, your career so far, uh, what are some of the, some of the, you know, highest points? And even some of the lowest points. Well, well, the lowest points is I was broke all the time. But <laughs> and so you learn uh, creative financing, and uh, you learn how to rob Peter to pay Paul, and you learn how to survive. And uh, but I've had so many great people. Michael Gunn from the South Point. You know, he, he was at the Gold Coast then. Mm -hmm. uh, he helped me uh, a lot, and he he helped our rodeo company a lot financially and just just him being there helped a lot so I, i'm always grateful for him I, he was like an angel sent to me when i needed him the most hmm. and also like i was telling you about the owens family they were always sending me bucking horses the marvel family in battle mountain nevada was always sending me bucking horses people in lakeview uh, rich parton and some of those kids that i rodeoed with in lakeview area they were sending me bucking horses any i think because we were young and they knew we were an up and coming and we were trying hard. Right. Uh, a lot of ranchers in the whole Northwest were just, if they had a horse at buck, they were sending it to us. So all those little things were highlights. You know, this wasn't just me. This was a, a whole community of ranchers and farmers and, and cowboys helping us get to where we are, you know. And then even Joe Bumgardner showing up when he was young and then becoming the star that he became. Mm -hmm. Lloyd Faria, one of our pickup men, uh, been to the national finals four times. You know, just so many great people coming into my life when I needed them the most. And it just kept happening. So I was on a high for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the only lows were finances. And we sort of got by them. So, um, if there, you know, and then we can talk about Lane and Red Rock. And, yeah. But there, there again, 
the, the history that I've learned in the last 40 years and where we need to go and how come we're having trouble getting there. There's a lot of things that you and I need to talk about. I know if, I don't know if we can talk about it all today, but basically how I got here, I've told you all the great things that have happened. Uh, we'll go over, but also I want to visit about George Taylor. He's our new CEO or, or manager of the PRCA and he's got great ideas, but his great ideas are going to be, stonewall a lot and we need to get cowboys to recognize if if we're going to go anywhere in this rodeo business we've got to change how we've been doing business for the last 50 years well you know and that's you know one of the reasons that i started this podcast too is because just my love of of cowboy culture rodeo western lifestyle and everything that it represents i want to just continue to grow the the fan base for rodeo uh, and the cowboy culture and Western lifestyle. Uh, you know, there's things that are happening that are, that are, are great in the industry, but I know you're on the inside and you know more about it. And, and so just share with us, you know, what you're seeing and what, and what all you think does need to happen. Well, um, you know, I'm not really on the inside. I'm sort of like the guy with his foot in the door <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to listen to the Cowboys and trying to listen to, our new management and I do know this and they've talked about it for years that every time they try and move in this direction and that's the tier system right. we need the best rodeos having the best cowboys there shouldn't be a such thing as slack because slack does nothing for our industry and it does nothing for the world champions that are uh, participating in the slack right. so uh, we need to take our rodeos and, and, and this is my opinion. Right. And sometimes my opinion is not worth anything. But the way we're going, and, and I have my favorite story, and I have to share this with you. We were at um, St. Paul, Oregon, and the slack, and we had a lot of contestants in the slack. And Trevor Brazil was in the slack, and he found a local circuit guy to trade with him. So Trevor Brazil, in the biggest 4th of July rodeo in the world, is traded with a guy and he's in the slack. So he gets both his team roping steers, both his roping calves in the slack and he's leaving. Mm -hmm. And he actually ends up placing at that rodeo a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Well, when I saw him, when I saw Trevor at the hospitality tent right after slack was over with, I told him what I, you know, what was wrong. And, and he gave me the right answer. He goes, John, if everybody else is allowed to do this, I've got to do it also because I don't really make that much money rodeoing as I do from my sponsors because I win a world championship. Mm -hmm. So I bought that. I bought that, you know, and, and I go, okay, that's a good answer, but it, it still didn't make it right. But it wasn't a week and a half later. We're at Salinas and I'm it's slack early in the morning slack. And I'm down at the strip and shoot for the timed events at the opposite end of the rope and shoot. Mm -hmm. And I, I've met a committee man that that's his territory. He, he's, that's his responsibility. So he's a committee man on the Salinas board. And he's also telling me about a new horse that he just bought and how much better he's roping and how much, you know, how proud he is of his roping because of this new horse he bought. Well, when, and we'd probably have this conversation going on for a half hour. And then about that time, and, and none of us were paying attention, but Trevor Brazil rides in and he's, they're, they're taking the head rope off of his steer. 
And so I just have a short conversation with him. And then he starts to ride away. And this director asked me, who is that? And I know if that guy is a board member and he's a team roper and he doesn't know who Trevor Brazil is, there's nobody in that grandstand has an idea who Trevor Brazil is. And if we don't change that, we're not going to go anywhere. And you know it through your iPods. We're all trying to do our best to advance rodeo. Right. And our biggest problem is marketing our cowboys. The greatest icon in the world is the American cowboy. And we're having trouble marketing him in, in the United States here, in the world. Well, I'm, you know, I'm turning it over to you now because I, I've almost like vented right there. No. And, but <laughs> I do know that what we're doing, uh, I have a great saying that I really believe in, that nothing has changed since 1954 except the shape of the cowboy hat. And uh, until we start realizing that we've got to market the Trevor Brazils and the Casey Phils and the Tim O'Connells and, and go on and on and on, mm-hmm. we're not going to go anywhere with this thing because yeah. marketing is so important. What you're doing is so important. But now we need to put a face to Trevor Brazil. We need to put a voice to Trevor Brazil. When somebody rides in like that and that guy that knows rodeo, he doesn't know Trevor because he really, he's probably seen a hundred pictures of Trevor Brazil, but he's never really seen him or heard his voice or talked to him. And until we can introduce that crowd to those Cowboys, we're not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about just marketing, right. If if we look at like what the PBR has done and and I know at the, uh, you know, legacy of the West Gala, you know, they talked about this because Flint Rasmussen was there and, uh, you know, uh, just a lot of people and they were talking about, uh, you know, not having any division in rodeo, which a lot of people, you know, may not be aware of. And it kind of surprised me too. And I think the PBR has done a great job of what they're doing in marketing because people know who they are and they have created this great fan base. And I think the same thing can happen in rodeo, but like you're saying, I mean, and you know better than I, you're in there, but just the way it's presented and the way they're marketed, that's got to change to a certain degree. And I can see they're, they're doing it to, to a certain degree, but, but I, I think it's, it just needs to go to that next level. It, it does. And that's where George Taylor wants to take him there. He, you know, he came out of Caterpillar and he, and he understands marketing. You know, and he's so good at marketing that they need to give him a chance. But Cowboys, I, I, I don't think it's greed. It's, it's the need of money. Mm-hmm. And so I wish those Cowboys would think, if I do something great and sacrifice something myself, my children and grandchildren will do better in rodeo. Mm-hmm. And but it's always about me in rodeo. When you visit with any of those cowboys, the bottom line gets to me. And when me comes up, you're not going to get anything done because you're not thinking of the of the association. You're not thinking of the world that we're in mm-hmm. as a whole. You're just thinking about me today. And as long as we do that, we're not going to go anywhere. And he is going to he is going to have stiff opposition because all they're wanting to do is money me today and you can only come up with so much money and if you can't go out and reach a bigger base of sponsors and people wanting to be involved in rodeo then we're going to have he's going to have trouble yeah and so i'm hoping that these cowboys i don't know if any cowboys listen to this but some generation has got the sacrifice to make things better yeah well, you know, it's, it's just like when you look at the PBR and you look at the, uh, I mean, you see Levi's in there now. I mean, Levi's, uh, I mean, Levi's is an iconic brand, but now they see the value in the marketing that's being done with PBR, at least in my opinion, 
and so they do. So they're like, hey, we we want our name in there. You know, not just hipsters are going to be wearing the five hundred ones now. I mean, you remember back in the day when you wore five hundred ones because you were a working man, and now you know the hipsters wear them. But now it's like, hey, let's put these on, uh, you know, uh, these guys in 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 the PBR because people are going to see it and people are going to buy them. You know, it's just, it's it's a bigger market share for them. It is, and that's what you know. They they picked a great kid. Uh, Derek Kababa is one Kababa. of their yeah, uh, and he's a great kid, and I've known him since he was a baby. And uh, they picked the right guy. He sort of got, I tease him. He looks like Justin Bieber sometimes, but uh, <laughs> and I don't know Justin Bieber, but uh, a great kid and a great marketing. But there you said it. Levi sees the value of that. Yeah, yeah. And and I and like you and I were talking uh, when we were down there uh, about uh, you know because like my podcast gets downloaded you know around the world, and you were talking about when you were in China how in, in China no matter where you're at you know, they see you with a cowboy hat and they, it, they say American cowboy. I mean, it, it's an iconic figure and we, we can appeal to those even, even more, even more worldwide, I think, and build, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the cowboy brand even, even, even bigger if it's done right. Right. The cowboy image uh, in China and through, it's all done through Marvel cigarettes. Mm-hmm. But they, I, I swear the Chinese, you know, they, I don't, everywhere we, I went over there with the American Quarter Horse Racing Association and, uh, and they were there selling quarter horse racing to the Chinese. And um, while we were there, we, we would, we, and we went up to the wall, you know, the China wall and, and, uh, and, and we went there and we met with rich people in an office or we might go walking by a guy sweeping streets there and everybody there, everybody knew two uh, words in English, and that was American Cowboy. And they'd sort of giggle, but they knew American Cowboy. And I swear they all think that we just ride out on the range here in, uh, in America, and life is just as great as it can get. Right. And, uh, and that's our image. The, you know, the, the American Cowboy, his manners, his, the Cowboy Code, there, there's so many great things about the American Cowboy that we can sell. But we just don't have that opportunity because cowboys don't understand that they've got to sell themselves as a cowboy. And then our association's got to have the ability to sell them as a cowboy. So where do we start? And I guess we start with you and we start with everybody else. You know, Jeff Metters, uh, he's a great ally with TV and he understands it, but he can only sell so much. And, and, we need to be able to sell the same cowboys over and over again. And the way rodeo system set up, we're trying to sell 5,000 members and we can't do it, but we can sell 300 members in an, uh, in a, uh, a tier system that mm-hmm. the, the best cowboys go to the best rodeos. And right. then I think we can make more money for the cowboys in the long run, but in the short run right now, somebody has got to sacrifice and it's going to be the cowboys, the ERA, you know, and there were some great kids that went into the ERA and it, it didn't work, but their idea was right. And those kids sacrificed for a whole year right. and they, you know, they lost out on world championships. They, they, they actually sac- sacrificed and Trevor was one of them. Yep. And Casey Sills was, you know, there was a bunch of those good kids that, you know, Luke Branquino, they, they actually knew that this was the right thing to do. And they sacrificed. It would have been nice if they'd have sacrificed inside the association itself. The Cowboys want numbers. Time to want the jackpot 
mentality of I want a hundred, I want 150 guys entered in that rodeo because I can win more money that way. Right. And it's me, me, me. Right. It's irritating, actually. For years, FSR Cattle Company has been known for their premium roping cattle, used and endorsed by multiple world champions and NFR qualifiers. But did you know that FSR is also the home of quality rope horses for all levels, from professional team roping to the novice level? A trip to Weatherford, Texas and to the FSR headquarters will give you a variety of horses to choose from. FSR Cattle Company will arrange transport for your new horse back home and a free ride back to the airport for you. For your convenience, we accept credit cards for all horses found at FSR. We strongly believe in matching team ropers with horses they can work and win with. So when you back in the box on a horse you found at FSR Cattle Company, you know you're mounted to win. Visit us online at FSRCattleCompany.com or in the office at 817-598-1222. And let us help find your next winner. Again, that's fsrcattlecompany.com. And and it, but it, and like you say, if we can if we can appeal to a, a broader base, like like the PBR has done, and and get yes. more sponsors, then you can get more money, and and these athletes can get paid. What I feel is is their their worth. You know, right. I mean, just like basketball and baseball and football. Those guys get get paid a lot of money, and rightly so. If you can market products and and you know make money for 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 companies and and provide you know entertainment for for people, I, I think it can be done. It's just like like you said, it, 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 it can, Dan. Because but now, who's willing to sacrifice their part of the rodeo business to make it better? Right, and it, and it it, it it you know for lack of a better word, it becomes a pissing contest. Right. And uh, so one way or another, we have got to come together. We've got to realize that, you know, we're not all going to get rich on at the beginning, right. but down the road, what it can do for rodeo. Right. Absolutely. That's just, and, and when you look back at it, just look at like the PBR when they, you know, I know I keep going back to that, but I just think it's a perfect example. Um, it, it is when, a great example. When they started 25 years ago, you know, you know, they, them guys put in a, what was, I think it was like a thousand bucks I read one time and, and, and look how many it years was. it took them, you know, but that's what it took. And they sacrificed to do that. And, um, you know, and look what they've built and, and that needs to happen in rodeo for, for the future, you know, for long after, you know, you and I are gone, uh, because I think the cowboy is going to save the world myself. I don't know. Maybe that's a little Pollyannish, but that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, really remember that the rodeo cowboy is just a rodeo cowboy. Right. But uh, some of them came off of ranches. Some of them came out of the farming world. Some came out of the car dealerships. Right. So, uh, I mean, they, they come from every, you know, not all of us are real cowboys. So the, the world of farming and ranching is, is getting smaller and smaller. Right. So there's less and less, far, you know, kids that really come out of that. But I do know that everywhere I go, because of the movie Eight Seconds, every farm kid, every ranch kid, anywhere in the United States, probably, you know, that uh, that's raised in that livestock, that agriculture world mm -hmm. have seen the movie eight seconds and they and it's every age group i mean when a kid is two or three years old 
he's watching eight seconds yep. and they, and they, they get it. They understand it. And so, you know, by being in that movie, when those kids realize I was in that movie, then they, they gravitate to me because they want to know about Lane Frost. They want to yep. know about Red Rock. They want to know about all those guys that were represented in that movie. Yep. And, and so we have something so great to sell. And I know our military, I don't know what the percentage is and I'd probably be way off, but I know 30, 40% of our military soldiers come out of that egg background. They're just yep. good old farm boy kids. Yep. And, uh, you know, and that's how they were raised. And those are, that's the backbone of America. Yep. Yeah. And, and since you brought it up now, let's, let's talk about eight seconds. Let's talk about Lane and Red Rock. Just, I mean, you were there. I mean, so just tell us what that was like in, in the experience, you know, your participation in that. Well, uh, remember it's all a part of a journey in my life. Right. And, uh, we bought Red Rock in 1984, 8485, 86, 87, right? And from a Mert Hunking, uh, Sombrero Rodeo Company, they were an amateur rodeo company in Oregon. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is a story of itself. And I, I can bore you guys to death because I got a million stories, but um, Mert was uh, being treated for cancer and he was fighting cancer and he needed to start selling some of his animals. And we sort of knew about Red Rock because uh, uh, Jerome Robinson had had him at some of the uh, uh, of his rodeos at Portland and Tacoma. And so we saw him there and he bucked really good. And then also Donnie Kish had had him at a rodeo in Silver Lake, Oregon, and he bucked Donnie off there. So Mert Hunking called me one day and he goes, John, and it was really made me feel good. He goes, John, I've gone all over the Northwest checking out how stock contractors treat their animals and how they take care of them. And I want you to buy Red Rock. So I went and talked to Kish and, and he goes, yeah, we got to buy him. And it, it, he wanted $10,000 at the time. And that was a lot of money for a bull in the PRCA. Mm -hmm. But he, I told him, I said, well, I can't come up, up with it all at one time. But so he brought, the, he brought Red Rock to us at Red Bluff uh, in, in April. And then by August, I had him paid off. But so he at least financed me enough to give me an opportunity <laughs> to buy the bull. Yeah. We knew we were buying a really good bull. But we didn't know we were buying a great bull. Right. And pretty soon, I didn't know he was gentle. I don't think Donnie even knew he was gentle. And we started realizing how gentle this bull was. And he loved to be scratched. Pretty soon, you know, everywhere we went, you could, you know, somebody, if they wanted to pet Red Rock, you could walk right into his pen and pet him and do whatever you wanted to do. And so um, at, at the finals in 84, 85, and 86, and in 87, He'd either won Buck and Bull of the Finals or Reserve Buck and Bull of the Finals. He'd always won uh, an award at the Finals because, he, you know, he was just so good. Well, in 87, the Cowboys voted him the Buck and Bull of the Year. And uh, so now we have all these awards that he's won, and he's won Buck and Bull of the Year in 1987. Well, Jim Shoulders is at a rodeo with us, and – and Jim Shoulders, for you guys that don't know Jim Shoulders, probably one of the greatest bull riders and, and an, also an icon that how he was one of those that sold rodeo. He, he understood how to market himself and he sold rodeo through himself. But anyway, we're at Poway and he tells me, he goes, you know, we already knew that Red Rock was the buck and bull of the year at Poway and we hadn't gone to the NFR yet. 
And also we know, and I've already gotten to know Lane really well, he had a shot at winning the world championship. Mm-hmm. So I started visiting with Lane, but just slightly, you know, just sort of in passing. And sure enough, Lane wins the championship. He's the world champion in 1987. And so right away, I sit down with Lane and we visit and we plan this match of, of you know, the challenge of the champions, Red Rock and against Lane Frost. And I had uh, Sue Roseoff, Kendra Santos, George Michaels from the Sports Machine. Yep. So many people getting involved because they understood this. It was like two boxers going to box each other for the world championship. Right. And Red Rock has never been ridden. He went his whole career unridden. And so now Red Rock's reputation as a bull that's never been ridden and the Buck and Bull of the Year in 1987 and Lane Frost. And it comes together. And every news media out there <clears throat> that Sue Roseoff could approach, and they understood it. Sports Illustrated got involved. USA Today got involved. The Chronicle, Examiner Chronicle, they're both the same paper now, mm-hmm. but they got involved. Uh, newspapers from all, every, every media group could understand rodeo all of a sudden because they understood these two world champions challenging each other. Yeah. And it, and it sold. And everywhere we went, we knew when Lane was going to be up. So we, could, we knew that Red Rock and Lane were going to challenge that same day. And that's a sort of side story. Lane always had to get on a bull before he got on Red Rock. So, I mean, that was, that was a lot of wear and tear on your body. Oh, yeah. So anyway, we put this all together. All the news media knew about it and started following it. And everywhere we went, we sold it out. It just, it, you know, they, at Reading, they turned people away because they didn't have any more seats for them. <laughs> so it, 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 there, there again, you and I have been talking about marketing. It, was, it gave us the opportunity to market a great bull and a great cowboy. And the crowd understood that. And they came to watch this challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, absolutely amazing. Right. So a lot of good things came out. The movie, Lane Frost, of all the kids out there, and I and there's been some great ones. Tough has done a great job. Ty has done a great job. You know, after all that, those kids started realizing they better start marketing themselves. And mm-hmm. Lane knew how to market himself. And there's so many great stories about Lane and and the crew that he ran with but he was their marketing expert those guys were just sold cowboys and they didn't have a lot to say but when lane got done gathering a crowd in towards them then they all had to be involved in the conversation right. and people just like you said when gary lefew and tough came up and and they were teasing me but at right. the same time they were saying hi to me right. but uh you you got to meet them our 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 world wants to meet these guys yeah but we don't have the ability for them to meet them. Yeah. So back to the movie. We never did. It, the, the whole movie came out of uh, Seguin, Texas, or San Antonio, where they shot the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and Lane and I, we never did have a media party. And, and we did seven matches, not three. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the movie was based on a true life story of Lane Frost. And Red Rock just got to be part of it. And because of my deal with Lane and, and, you know, getting to know his mom and dad and tough and Cody and everything. 
they put me in as part of the movie to sort of tell you how what was going on. Right. You know, that there was a match between Lane and Red Rock and everything. So it was a bit part, you know, like, or whatever they call it. And it probably didn't last more than 12 seconds. But it gave me an opportunity to be in a great movie about a great cowboy. Yeah. So, and who, whose idea was it to do that movie anyway? I mean, how, how did that come about? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, you'd almost have to visit with uh, probably Cody Lambert or, 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 or a great visit would be, and I hope you do it one of these things, is to get Elsie uh, Frost on your iPod. And she'd be a great interview. And, and you could ask a lot of great questions about that. But, you know, that came about about three years after Lane had passed and mm -hmm. uh, they just knew that they wanted to do that. And uh, they put it together and it, and it came up, you know, I, I don't know if they got what they wanted out of it, but in our little agriculture world, it turned out to be a great movie. Oh yeah. There's, there isn't a, yep. I mean, you can't hardly talk to anybody. Even today, their kids are still watching that movie. I mean, we still watch it and, and my, both my boys, you know, they used to buck around the living room, uh, endlessly uh for years growing yeah. up watching it wearing out the vhs tapes you know <laughs> <laughs> right right i've got a nephew a couple of well a lot hell everybody that i meet has watched that movie and, and a lot of them don't know that i'm in it and i go well you go back and watch it and you'll see me <laughs> so uh it gives them something to go watch it again for but anyway a great movie telling a great story about a great cowboy and and some people think it's not a real true story but it was based on a true story of Lane Frost. You know, they had to hype different things, but uh, I thought they did a really good job on it. Yeah, and I, and I thought that all the guys acting in it, Luke Perry and um, Stephen Baldwin, and uh, I can't remember yeah. the guy's name that played Cody, but um, I thought they did a great job. You know, it was just... Uh, uh, they you know, did. They, yeah. they had that, that uh, Baldwin... What a, you know, I, I swear he was Cody, I mean, Tuff Hedeman. And, uh, and then, and Luke Perry, the more I got, you know, I, I just met him through that. Right. He got to be really good friends with him. But through him, he looked, he, he almost had me believing that he was Lane Frost. Yeah, yeah. He did a even, really good job. Even Cody Lambert, you know, Cody was around him a lot more than I was. And Cody goes, I can't believe how this guy acts and looks so much like Lane Frost, but I guess that's what those actors are good at. And then he was built like Lane. So it was, yeah. it's just perfect. Yeah, that was great. Great. You know, I had, I had the opportunity to, to meet Lane's parents. I, it was actually in Livermore and they signed uh, a poster um, from uh, uh, Livermore rodeo legends live forever. And then I also got a, a cowboy Bible signed by him too, which, so it was really, really great to meet his folks. Yes, that's what Elsie, Elsie spends a lot of her time going places uh, and um, trying to make money through different projects that she can buy Bibles. She doesn't use any of the money for herself. Right. She just, she's such a great woman. And, and he's got a great dad too. Yeah, I, I can't believe how much energy she has. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't either. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know. I don't know if she's going to be watching this, but you know, I, I, when, when I watch, when I watch Lane getting killed in Cheyenne, you know, yeah. or, you know get, uh, I don't know how as a parent, you can watch that over and yeah. over again. You know, she and I have been to a couple of places where they show that stuff and uh, what a, she's, she's a tough woman. 
Yeah. A tough woman. She's a good woman. Yeah. So she has a lot of faith too, you know, and, and it's, uh, well, that's what it is. You have to have that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, definitely one of the most, uh, you know, iconic rodeo movies ever made and, and you were in it (laughs) and you own the bull. Yeah. Yeah. And Red Rock was part of it. Yeah. Red Rock was part of it. That's so great. So what, what, uh, what, uh, what's the future look like for you? What, what do you got planned for 2019? Well, I thought I was out of the rodeo business, but I'm back in it. So, um, what so happened? I'm, I'm, well, it just, it didn't go through. I thought I had it sold and it just didn't go through. There are a lot of other things. Any, anyway, it's just something. So now I'm back at it and I'm glad I'm back at it. And I've got, you know, um, one of my brother-in-laws is J.C. Trujillo. My sister Margot is married to J.C. Trujillo. Okay. And they've got a grand, they've got a grandson, uh, J.C. Mortensen, and he just turned 18, so he, he bought his permit, and he went to Brawley, California, the Cattle Call Rodeo, mm-hmm. filled his permit at his first rodeo. He went with bull riding, and so now he's getting his card, or he has got his card. And he's starting to, he, he's, he's still in high school. So he's got to get through high school. And then we want him to go to college. And so anyway, now he's got his card and we probably have ruined him for the rest of his life. <laughs> but I, I am going to be there for him when he's coming through these next 10 years in the rodeo world, because I'm just going to be glad I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And wh- what events is he doing? He rides bareback horses like his grandpa and he rides for an 18 year old. He rides really well. And, uh, he rides bulls also, which his dad, Judd Mortensen rode bulls in the PBR for years. So he's been raised around all this rodeo stuff and, and he's really good at what he does. He's always, you know, he's focused. He knows what he wants. Uh, and then he's just a good old cowboy. This kid, uh, to watch him, he's just a real cowboy. And he's got a good attitude, and I know he's going to do well. He's got a, he's got a rude awakening coming when he starts getting on these really ranked bareback horses <laughs> and really ranked bulls. But uh, he'll handle it. If we don't hurt him, he's going to do really well. Yeah, that's great. Hey, well, we're getting kind of close to the end, John, and, and I always ask everybody. Um, I, I, I probably already know the answer to a couple of these questions, but uh, what, what's, your, what's your favorite uh, cowboy hat brand? Well, Resistle's been a great sponsor, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Resistle. But American is out there, and and they do a good job also. But Resistle is my favorite; always has been, always will be. I didn't even know there was American hat for a long time, but I know Keith Maddox really well. He's a great man. Yeah, uh, Monday is a good guy that works for him. Uh, they're just a great company, and they're more down to earth company. Uh, Dustin Noblis is and, and Ricky uh, Bolin are both with Resistol, and they're both great guys, and they're really good friends. So, um, Resistol is my favorite hat brand. Yeah, and how about boots? Um, I love Justin, and I love uh, Tony Lama, and I actually have a pair of Tony Lamas on right now. <laughs> but my favorite cowboy boot, my ranch boot is Bollet and uh they're they're a company out of Canada, Canada and yeah. they still they still make a good leather sole with a good slant heel and a spur catch on the heel and then the 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 end step is flat where and I ride in an oxbow stirrup all the time 
so uh, uh, they, they're more of a cowboy boot than uh, uh, than they are a dress boot, I guess. Everybody tries to compete. There's a lot of boots out there, but Justin and Tony Lama have done so much for the PRCA, yeah. and uh, so in appreciation, I I do what I've got to do to show my loyalty to them. Yeah. And then this is probably an easy one. Uh, favorite uh, cowboy movie? Well, it, it's not an easy one, but <laughs> um, this Robert uh, Duvall uh-huh. is that his name? Yeah, from... I just love his movies. And yeah. uh, you know, I, before I saw the movie Lonesome Cow- uh, Lonesome Dove, I read the book. Matter of fact, I was staying with Cody Lambert. And uh, they got where they couldn't visit with me because once I got to reading this book, I was up till four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I'd get up at seven and start reading this book. What a great read. And then to be able to watch the movie made it even that much better. Yeah. And so uh, I, I'm, I, and I think everybody goes with Lonesome Dove as a cowboy movie. But um, when it comes to a rodeo movie, there isn't a better movie than eight seconds. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Well, hey, John, it's been, uh, it's just been great, uh, you know, having you on the podcast. It was just beyond, uh, you know, my cowboy dreams of standing there in, in uh, Vegas uh, talking <laughs> to you and then have to have Gary LeFew and Tuff Hedeman walk up and just acting like, you know, like I was part of the, 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 the crew right there. And just, uh, it was, it was just, it was a surreal moment and, and I'm going to cherish it forever. Uh, but I've, I, I look forward to, you know, to just seeing rodeo grow, seeing the fan base grow, uh, in, in the entire culture and just look forward to seeing what, you know, you're doing in the future. And, uh, um, you know, I just, yeah. uh, I'm just going to continue to help promote, uh, you know, the cowboy rodeo and, and Western lifestyle and culture. Cause, uh, right. that's what I love. I, 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 mean. I wish you could, I wish you could get together. I wish all the marketing firms and, and, and marketing media could get together with, uh, George Taylor and, and all of them go, what can we do? What can we do to help you? How can we get us past the stagnation that we've been in for years? And uh, so he needs all you guys to rally around him. Uh, I hope there's some committees listening out there. Uh, we all benefit at the more we can sell rodeo and the rodeo cowboy. So uh, get behind George Taylor and, and help him every way we can. Well, absolutely. And after you, after you mentioned that to me, when we were down there in Vegas, I, uh, I actually reached out to him on uh, LinkedIn. And so we're connected now on LinkedIn. So um, I'm going to definitely do everything I can to try to, you know, get him on the podcast and, and uh, hear what he's got to say. And uh, yeah, you know, well, we just, we need people to think business, you know, yeah. think marketing and business yep. and think how we're going to make more money and then you'll make more money, but to strong arming, and, and to saying, hey, we need, if you're going to do this tier system, you got to come up with a lot more money right now. Right. It, it, you know, what comes first, the cart or the horse? I, I, you know, so, yeah. so let's get this thing together and, and, and sacrifice something to make this thing work. And I know through that we'll advance rodeo. Um, you know, I know, and I know you got to go, but uh, Winston Cigarettes was a big sponsor of ours and uh, we ran them off more or less. And right. they went right to NASCAR, and I'll bet they were happy there at NASCAR. <laughs> and they taught NASCAR how to sell their business. And that, that, that was a downfall of the PRCA running off Winston at the time. Yeah. So, anyway, a lot of history in the rodeo world, and it's not all good history. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I, the, 
I, I just appreciate everything you shared with us. And I know that people are going to absolutely uh, just enjoy listening to it and hearing, hearing your story. And uh, we just might have to do this again here uh, next year, about midway through or something. Okay. I, I would love to. We got to figure out how to reach these people. Absolutely. And how they can meet these cowboys. Yeah. All right, Dan. All right, John. Good talking with you. And we'll talk soon. Uh, all right. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. Give her hell, he never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies. Kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems. Yeah, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and pain. Well, I ain't no play or speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pair of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down.